0: Um going to continue in a, a short series that we're doing on core values. Um we're about to the end of that. And then we will be back in our normal um routine of of starting in a book and just kind of working through it chapter by chapter. And so that will not not next week but the Sunday after we will be starting um a new book. And um but this week and next week we'll be finishing um the last two core values here at Redeemer. And so what it means this morning is we'll be bouncing around a little bit more if you want to um jot some notations or um, try to keep up, that's okay. Um, we have so far looked at the fact that we are plural in leadership, that we're a church that's simple, um, that we um, are gospel-centered, um, and what's the other one we looked at? What's that? Oh yeah, reflective of our community. I, I complete, Thanks, Carol. I completely lost it for a second. I can remember what it was this morning and next week. Um, all right, so uh, what's important, though, for us this morning is I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, um, because it's, it's really significant that we, um, whenever we're talking about obedience um, or action as believers, that we have the order correct of how things happen. So in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, we see this. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So church, I think the the first thing that we just need to note this morning um, as we talk about obedience and activity and the things that we do as Christians is that we have to know that God does not rescue us because of the things that we do. We are rescued solely out of the grace and mercy of Jesus, the work that He has done on our behalf with His perfect life, His obedient death, and His resurrection, that we have peace with God. But in in verse 10, we see that we are created for works, right? Like there are things for us to walk in and to do. But if we're not careful, we put those first and we say, because of all my obedience, because of my faithfulness, because of the, my church attendance or my giving or or whatever it is, Jesus loves me and he saves me and he rescues me. And Paul says, no, 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 yes, you should do those things, but you do them because you've been rescued by Jesus. And so this morning, we've got to keep that order first and foremost. Um, I, I don't often start with a, a story, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, so, Carmen and I spent a couple years before we had kids in the Middle East. Many of you know that. I'm living in Yemen. And um, at the end of our time, which we thought, honestly, that if, if we had told you our story at that point, um, I would have said I would still be there. That was our expectation and our, our thought of what the Lord was doing with our life. And so we came back to Pampa, and I started my first day on a job on a church staff. Um, And I'm sitting there at my desk wondering what in the world I'm going to do. And, you know, just kind of taking it all in a church that I I loved, and new folks. And my phone in my office rings and I pick it up. And so a woman on the line and it was not someone I knew, but she was a member of the church. And she said, hey, I know it's your first day at at the job. I just want you to know how ashamed of you I am. That you've given up your call to to missions and that you're no longer on the mission field. So you need to know that that's how I feel, and then hung up. And actually, there was no conversation to be had, right? It was just, hey, you've given up this thing that the Lord was doing in your life for something lesser. And and it was one of those moments where I'm like, the Lord had already been stirring some things in my heart, right? Of like, that I wanted Jesus always. And, and, and I, sometimes I felt like Jesus was only on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I knew that wasn't, like, theologically correct. But it was like, if I'm not doing the church thing, how am I making much of Jesus? How am I worshiping Him? And then we went on the mission field, and people are expecting these, like, dramatic email results, right? And a lot of our day was trying to pay bills, right? And, and, and we were walking everywhere, and we were in language school, and so, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, sexy mission work happening. It was, like, survival, And and so like I'm I'm already kind of doubting, okay, what does it look like to make much of Jesus in all of life? And is there like this I can be on mission or I can be off of mission when Colossians 3 and and 1 Corinthians 10 both tell us that whatever you're doing, whether it's eating or drinking, whatever you're doing, do it to the glory of God. And so was I somehow like forfeiting what God had for me by not living in a a specific place. And so this morning, the core value that we're going to look at is this idea of being missional, right? So it's the word mission with an A-L on the end, missional. It's probably not a word um, that you've heard a ton, um, maybe really until you were around Redeemer. But here's how we're going to define it this morning. It's going to be a super long definition. Two words, living sense, right? We're going to define missional as it's, it's we want to live sense. And here's the idea behind that. This is in John 20, verse 21. Jesus is nearing the end of his time with the disciples, and he says to them, this is after his resurrection, Jesus said to them, meaning the disciples again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now we know from Galatians 4.4 4, that at the right time in human history that God sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Philippians 2 tells us that he left heaven, right? Like he emptied himself and came on a rescue mission. A rescue mission that had been planned before the foundations of the world to redeem those who were lost, to bring those back who were estranged and at war and enemies of God with God. Like that, that God, who we are at war with, has made peace with us and Himself through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Right? So Jesus was sent to redeem, to, to rescue, and, and to, to, to gain us. And then He tells the disciples, right, as I've been sent, I'm sending you. Right? Like, you're going to continue this work. You're going to continue this mission. We can go to Acts 1, right, where the ascension into heaven is happening, and the disciples are looking at him. And, and they're going, whoa, 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 like, what is going on? And he says, you're going to continue to take this message to the world. How long, Jesus, until I come back? Right, until I come back. That we are to be a people who live sent, That we have been rescued by one who was sent on our behalf, and now we are reflecting that characteristic and that image. Again, not to earn or to gain salvation, but because we've been saved by the one who was sent for us, we now emulate that. Paul will write in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're ambassadors, right? Like we are ambassadors of the kingdom of Jesus in this world. And ambassadors don't beat their chest and say, Look how great I am. They're, they're speaking on behalf of something bigger than them. Right, A waiter doesn't come out and tell you, look how good the food that I served you is. The waiter turns and goes, the chef did an incredible job, didn't he? That we are not drawing attention to ourselves, that we are living sent for the one who has rescued us, that we are pointing back to him. We are mirrors reflecting his image, his characteristics, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace. And that we're wanting to do that in all of life. So here's what it means, and why I started with the story that I did. There's no on-off switch. Like, missions isn't just a place that we go. It is who we are. We don't get to say, today I'm on mission, tomorrow I'm not. If you are a believer in Jesus and you have been put on mission, you have a king who has given you a command to make much of him for as long as he has you here in every component, aspect, and arena of life. And so when Carmen and I got on a plane, and many of you have done this as well, and traveled overseas, there was nobody that waited and said, okay, you're now official missionaries, right? You're a pro. It was, this is, this is who you are, go do it. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that idea a little more here in a moment. But living missional is living sense and it's who we are, not just what we do. Also, this morning, it means it's all of us. No one gets off the hook here. Like that if you trust Jesus for your salvation, then you're on mission. Ephesians 4, verse 12, is again, as Paul is writing to the church, and he's talking about that, that the church has um, shepherds and teachers and other roles. He says in verse 12, why does the church have these roles to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ? Right? It's not the mission to make Jesus known in the world is not just for those who are paid to do it. It's not just for professionals. It's not even just for the mature. It is for all believers. It's for all of us. And the church's job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. In the arenas of life that God has called you into, to do that in a way that is God honoring, is trusting Him. It's important, though, for us to know this morning that this isn't just like good that we go and do in the world. There is a message that we're taking. Like, we have a message of good news, of an accomplished work that is hope. And so we have a message, and we also want to live in light of the fact that we've received this message. And then we're like displaying this message that Jesus loves us. Right? Like that He comes for the needy and the broken and the sick to rescue. That we have hope in this world that He sees you and He knows you. He loves you and He cares for you. And that this world doesn't get the final say. That He does. That transformation is possible because the good work has been done. Matthew 28, the, the Great Commission, says, he's talking to the, the disciple and he says, as you're going, make disciples. It's not like, hey, go do that sometimes. it's As you're living your life, so church, this is for us, as we're living our life, as we're going through the world, we are to be making disciples. Listen to how um, the church is described. This is in Matthew chapter 5. Beginning in verse 13. believers you're the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall it how shall its saltiness be restored it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet you're the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Like that, church, that our call is first to know and to trust Jesus, to make much of Him in all of our life, and as we're doing that, that we're pointing people back to Him, and that we are displaying the beauty and the freedom and the hope of the kingdom as we live in the midst of a sinful, broken, fallen world that needs hope. Like that, we're we're doing that. We're doing a countercultural work. Here's how Paul says it in Ephesians five, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children. Right, like that we uh, we identify as His, so we imitate Him, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave Himself up for us. We are reflecting the love that He has, that He gave Himself up. That we are a fragrant offering. And a sacrifice to God, that our lives in that vein are actually worship, that all of it is pleasing and honoring and worship as we seek to live as our Father has demonstrated to us. Go down to verse 15 in chapter 5. So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so what we really want to spend the rest of our time on is this, is like, what does it look like to make the best use of our time? How do we actually live on mission if we, this morning, would confess we have a king and he's given us marching orders? Like, the question then is, are we obeying him? Are we serving and pleasing him? First and foremost, can we just say, like, people are not projects. And I think we have to remind ourselves of this sometimes, right? That we don't go, "Hey, I'm I'm going after that person, and like I'm going to get them." People aren't projects, but we pursue people because we've been pursued by God. We have intentionality, and we demonstrate love, and we try to be a city on a hill and salt and light. We do those things with intentionality because God has intentionally known our name and has sought us out, and has called us, and says, you're mine. You're a son or a daughter of the king. Come sit at the table. Like that he pursues. So, people are not projects, but we do pursue people. Church, salvation is not in your hands. Right? Their, their, Their soul, their salvation, is not dependent upon how good you do, how winsome you are, or how faithful you are. The Lord is the one who saves. And His arm is not too short to save. And so we obey and we reflect and we glorify and we trust the results to His hands. And that is easy to say. It's harder to live, especially when your heart is crying out for someone who doesn't yet trust Jesus. We are recipients of Jesus' pursuit, and so we pursue. So church, here's what this looks like we don't wave a big flag and say, hey, come and see what's going on. We, we are on mission. It means we go. We go to people. And I've heard people say things like, hey, they know where we're at. If they wanted to hear about Jesus, they could come and find out. Like, the gospel is offensive enough. Because the gospel says, hey, you're not sufficient. You're actually, you need something. And Jesus is the answer, but it's saying you're not the answer. And so we want to like take some barriers down and go to people to hear the positive, good, redemptive news. And so what this looks like overseas, right? I think sometimes it's easier for us to think about what it would look like somewhere else rather than our world. Carmen and I would attempt to embrace as much Yemeni culture as we could, right? Um, because the average Yemeni guy was like 5'9", five 5'8", Right? like I did not look Yemeni in any regard. Size, stature, skin color, language, ability, right? There was already this like, okay, there's there's a separation. And so if I then come as just fully American, like I'm creating more barriers and more barriers and more barriers to the gospel. And so what it meant was I wore a futa. And a futa is a man's skirt, right? The a wraparound man's skirt. I've never once wore one in America, right? That's not—it's not what I'm looking to do. But I did something that I was less than comfortable with, as a as a minor means of getting to the heart of why we're there, right? And so, if something was um, distinctly um, Islamic, that's a, that's a line I don't cross. But if it's just Arab culture, I'm glad to to jump in that to do that. So, how do we look at our neighbors? Um, at our family, at our friends, at our culture, and say, where are there some barriers right now to you actually wanting to hear about Jesus? And how do we then cross those barriers? How do we pursue people and go after them? Right? We go. We sang that last song about abiding. John 15. It's a beautiful passage where... Jesus refers to Himself as the vine. And He says this. And this is 15 verse 4. Abide in Me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in Me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in Me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from Me you can do nothing. The church, ultimately, what we're going to say this morning is this, is you have to be connected to Jesus. And as you're connected to and abiding in Him, living on mission will be an overflow of your life. Like, the, the vine doesn't decide, hey, today I'm going to put off fruit. Like, the branch doesn't do that. The vine does it, because it's connected to the vine. We don't decide, today I'm going to go be on mission. When we're connected to Jesus, fruit is just moving and working among us because Jesus is transforming us and making us more into the image of Jesus on a daily basis. We're connected to him and the overflow begins to move amongst others. And it puts off fruit that lasts, that's matter, that's eternal. If you're connected to him, you will become more like him. You will be transformed you will be matured into the image of Jesus. So a couple practical thoughts here. If we want to be on mission with folks, we have to be intentional and thoughtful. Right? Like we actually have to, to look at the world around us and go, okay, who has God put in my life, in my world, that would care what I have to say that I could pursue? Not as a project because I care about them. I love them. I want them to know Jesus and to be at peace and joyous. Church, it means you have to be around folks who don't yet know Jesus. And that is one of those things that sounds easy, but it's, it's really, it, sometimes it's difficult because we can insulate ourselves around only other believers. And are we around folks who don't yet know Jesus? Are they at our dinner tables? Like, are we at their dinner table? Are we with them in a way that occasionally makes you go, I'm a little uncomfortable with this, or I'm uncomfortable with what my kids saw? or heard, or that's going to be an awkward conversation on the way home, right? Like, but it's trusting that God is going to give us the grace we need. <laughs> because once we were lost, once we were the perishing, right? Like, we don't expect people to live as followers of Christ when they don't have the Spirit of God. And so we go hard after people. We, we realize that Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton, Right? that women of ill repute, right, would come around, right? Like that Jesus surrounded himself not in a means of sinning or justifying their sin, but in a way of saying, hey, there's better news and there's hope and there's transformation, and this doesn't have to be the way it is anymore. To be an example in their midst with a message of hope and redemption. The church, we, we have to be intentional. That means we have to actually engage those who don't yet know Jesus Means that we are believing that He still saves, that He still brings hope and peace and healing, that He still does what we see in Scripture in 2021 in Pampa, Texas. Like that we're praying to those ends. God, would you would you take that dead thing and make it alive? Because you've done it in me, that I was dead and far from you, and now I'm alive. Would you do that in them? Would you give me opportunity to winsomely speak, to point to you, to give reason for the hope that I have in you. It's, it's the, the premise of the entire book of Acts is Jesus has ascended to heaven, not yet to return, but that He's alive. Like He's beaten sin and Satan and death, and so He's hearing our praise and our prayers and our cries for more. And that He's, because He's alive, He changes things. And He's still doing that. It is going to be costly. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. Um, it's going to put you in an awkward situations sometimes. It's why we are simple, right? We don't want to busy you up so that you can't then live on mission, right? The core values kind of build and connect on one another. It's not a tack on. It's our whole life. And so while we were in Yemen, Harmon taught English. Um, was was one of her jobs. Um, we tried to have as healthy of a marriage as possible as we were figuring out what it looked like to be married and live in Yemen. And um, we had people in our home and we pointed people to Jesus in our conversation. And so when I got that phone call a couple years, this is now several years ago, telling me that they were ashamed of me. The thing is, is our life hadn't changed. Harmon was still an English teacher. We're trying to have a healthy marriage have people in our homes, and point Jesus to point people to Jesus in our conversation. The only thing in our life that had changed was the locale. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is right now, it doesn't matter if you're in Pampa, Texas, willingly or unwillingly. God has you here today to be on mission. And if he moves you to Ecuador or to Yemen, to Japan or to La Force, to New York... I, We are to be on mission. Seeking, pursuing, knowing, loving Jesus and making Him known to the world around us. Our locale doesn't change that. And so we've been told to go to the nation. And we've been told to minister to our neighbors. And both are true. And we're to do that wherever God has called and equipped and set us currently. The great news is is you don't have to do it alone. Like if you're already panicking a little bit, Remember Ephesians 4, that our job is to equip you to do this. And then we get to do it together. Because one of the most powerful defenses, apologetics of, of the church is people seeing that actually lived out in real life. That there's a place of belonging and there's a place of forgiveness, and there's a place right where something could go wrong and yet those relationships don't break. There's forgiveness and redemption. Right, where people who are think very differently and vote very differently. And look at the world differently, actually unify around Jesus. Like what a testimony to the world around us right now, that Jesus is sufficient. It doesn't mean that every day you're going to give a whole gospel presentation. What it means is that you are giving an answer for the hope and the security and the stability you have in your life. Well Peter writes in First Peter three: "Be ready to give a defense, a reason for the hope that we have. Church, one of the the last things here I want to say is this. There is grace for the season of life that you're in. There is no perfect season of life. And so if you're a young parent trying to figure this out, going, I have no time. God sees that. And you're on mission with that child or those children that God has given you. And when you have any additional time, make much of Jesus with that in whatever area of life. If you're an empty nester, right? If you're at work full-time, like, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, where does God have you and how do I make much of Jesus in that? With honesty, with integrity, with work ethic, the way I spend my money, with the way I make decisions, with the fact that I don't gossip, by how I point my kids to Jesus, by how I point my co-workers to Jesus, both in action and being the light and being the Word with good news whether you're healthy or sick, in your hobbies with your neighbors. like Church, there's an infinite number of opportunities to make much of Jesus in your life. And then the last thing in this section is this. Matthew 28 doesn't say go and make converts. It says go and make disciples, which means that there is a conversion that happens, and then you're discipling them. So this also looks like you taking on younger believers around you. It's not just those who don't yet know Jesus. It's also those who do know Jesus. And we all have areas to grow, right? That we're ministering and discipling in our normal lives. And so this is an older mom serving and loving a younger mom, right? This is an older man helping a younger man learn how to work right, right? Because it's, it's honoring King Jesus in the way that we work. It's living a life together together. Pointing people to Jesus, giving an answer for the hope that we have in everyday life. So briefly, we're going to do this. So why would we not do this? Why not? Like, why is this maybe not happening? It could be that this morning you don't feel the need, um, or you don't feel responsible. Just a quick reminder, there are no consumers in the church. If you're a believer, this is your call, this is your mission. You're either obeying it or you're displeasing the Lord. Right, and there's forgiveness and there is grace, but there's this is an act of obedience. We have been sent, we have been called, Jesus has done this. You're still breathing, you're on mission. That you need equipping. Well, in John 14, the disciples are freaking out because Jesus is about to leave, and he tells them a few things to settle them before he sends them out on mission. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's good. It's the helper, the encourager, the comforter better that he's here than i'm here you have prayer because i'm alive and you have access to me you have one another you have the word and you have my promise that i'm going to return that all my promises are true like that he will equip us if we don't feel equipped that we have the holy spirit the word prayer the promises and one another we don't have to be perfect at this today that we are growing in obedience to Jesus and pointing people to Him, and maybe the third reason is that here's the thing: we're at war, right? Like we live in a sinful, fallen world, and if you're being shot at, you like want to be connected to your commander. That's how John Piper talks about: like prayer becomes like a wartime walkie-talkie. And if you're in enemy ground, like you want to get back and you want to succeed and survive, church, we're on mission. And where we're headed isn't here. It's to eternity where we belong for all time with a perfect world with no sin and no sickness and no death. That's where we're headed. And so in the meantime, we need more of a wartime mentality. And and honestly, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians are just distracted, right? Like their roots are getting deeper and deeper here where Peter would say, hey, we're sojourners. We are traveling. So we, we do things here, but we're headed to our real home. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. And church, what an opportunity are we living in right now? There is so much fear rampant in our culture and our world right now. And, and everything can be politicized, and, everyone, and there are people are terrified of sickness and of death. The, the, the security and the normalcy and the stability of what we've known feels like it is crumbling around us. And if that does not mark your life, if you are still secure in Jesus, anchored deep within Him, joyous and peaceful, people are going to say, hey, why? And we give an answer for the hope that we have. This world's not our home. Right? If, if, I, if I live, I'm going to make much of Jesus. If I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Right? That we get to live a freed life, anchored in Him for His name, for His glory, giving reason for the hope that we have. And so church, here's where we're going to end. We get to do it together. You are not being asked to do this alone. We are a family And as a family, we want to be the ones who are pointing the world, our community, the surrounding areas and the nations to Jesus, asking them to trust and trusting Jesus to save, to heal, transform, to do what only He can do, that we would be faithful and obedient. It is simple. It's just not easy. So we're asking Him to transform and to give us eyes to see. And so this morning, maybe what needs to happen is just confession that the Spirit has revealed to you that you're just distracted. Like, this is, like you know these things, and yet that's not the way that you've been living. And you just need to confess that and receive forgiveness. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. It may be that you just need to say, God, give me eyes to see my world. Like, help me to see who it is that I need to pursue, both in the church and outside the church is I'm making disciples. Or God, I'm terrified actually. Would you anchor me again? Would I trust that you're enough in this world that doesn't feel like I recognize it anymore? Or maybe what it is is you're going, I don't know him at all. And this morning that you would hear him speaking, calling, saying, trust my life, trust my death, trust my, resur- my resurrection. I'm enough for you not so that you can boast. I'll rescue you. And then you'll walk in the good works that He created beforehand. Like God has known the walk, the, the, wor- the walks and the, the works that you're going to walk in. He created you for them, for His glory and for the good of those around you. Let's pray. Father, we... Desperately want to please you. And thank you that because of our righteousness that is found in Christ, God, that you are pleased. God, that just as a a good dad or a good mom or a good grandparent would celebrate um, their child attempting to do something in their image, even if it's not well done, because of the connection and the obedience and the relationship and the trust, God, that you are smiling as we attempt to obey. That you are working, that you're doing far more than we can imagine. And God, you're just allowing us to be a part of it. God, we know this world is not dependent upon us, it's dependent upon you. And the nations can rage, and nations can totter, and you sit in the heavens unaffected, Lord, your foundation is secure and you've given us one. You've anchored us and we can know you and trust you and depend upon you. And so, Father, would we not be afraid, but would we be faithful and obedient, expectant and trusting that you're going to work in our midst to bring those who don't yet know you into this family. There will be a day where we'll look back and go, can you believe you weren't always here? God, as names are flashing across hearts and minds right now, God, would you bring salvation? God, would you give us courage just to pursue and to be intentional, to have people at our dinner table? And God, would you give us the words we need? As we're connected to you, that it would overflow and that you would save and heal and work and move because you are alive and faithful and good. Help us to trust that in Jesus' name.